From up in the nosebleeds to down to the 50-yard line, wherever you watch the game, this is the place to sound off. Sports Talk with Jock on 770 CHQR. Fans don't rule the airwaves tonight. Fun rules the airwaves tonight because it is Friday night. Friday fun time with the people's sportscaster, the one and only Derek Bidwell from Global Saskatoon. Mr. Bidwell, did you have a good week? Did you do anything exciting this week? Uh, I'd like to tell you some, you know, outlandish, (laughs) great, amazing story. Yes. Um, Nothing. I got nothing. You know what? On a very small level, though, it's just nice. Um, today, there was the first you know, sports press conference mm. uh, in a long time in Saskatoon. Like in, Is that the Saskatoon Rattlers? Let me guess. No, 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 no. 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 The Saskatchewan Rattlers. Oh, okay. That's who you're referring to. But, yeah, they go with the provincial name. But, okay. uh, yeah, they're, they're out east, and they're getting ready to do uh, their, uh, their tournament for the championship yes, out next east. next week. In St. Catharines, yeah. So, um it wasn't about them, though. It was. Uh, it had to do uh, with the University of Saskatchewan, and uh, and their main field, which is Griffith Stadium. Okay. And they just announced uh, today. They just kind of had the, I guess, the press conference to uh, to talk about. Uh, so how did they do the, the press conference? How did they do the press? Conference? Like, did you have to social distance? Uh, you know, it, it's a different world for press conferences out there right now. Did you have to wear a face yeah, mask? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So everybody okay. at the university wore a face mask. Um, and uh, you know anybody else could. Some people did actually that weren't with the university. I didn't. Uh, okay. Our camera person didn't. Uh, but we stayed. We stayed far, far apart. We, we were very good at the physical distancing. Like we, when we interview yeah. somebody after uh, you know something like this now, our one-on-one interview. Do you use um, a hockey stick? No more hockey stick. You know to hold the mic. No, 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 no. no the, okay. uh, the, the the mic stand. Oh, okay. The mic stand. That's yeah, it, it, we set up the whole mic stand. We don't even get near him. We don't uh, extend anything to him. Nothing. So it's just like the same mic stand kind of that you would have if you were the lead singer of some Step up to the stand. Right on I like stage. that. I like that. Okay, yeah. so, so you had a news conference today, which is good. And, and you know what? That's where I wanted to go tonight because, you know, hockey is almost back. And, and pretty soon, August the 1st, we're actually going to be, you know, cheering on our favorite team. So I, I'm curious... As a youngster growing up, you're a Saskatoon boy. So I, I grew up in Pooscoopy, British Columbia, as everybody knows. And, and the very first Pee Wee Pup team I played for was called the Rangers. And so I became a Ranger fan. And I tell you what, I cheered those New York blue shirts like until the cows came home. And then they just disappointed me year after year after year. And then this upstart team called the New York Islanders came onto the scene and I figured, hey, they're in New York. I had no idea they were on the island, but <laughs> I was, I was, you know, young and dumb back in the day. So I, I jumped ships. I, I, I got off the Rangers bandwagon, and I jumped on the Islanders bandwagon. And that was a smart move, a very veteran move by myself, because that was 1975, and just when the Islanders were starting to get hot. And then, of course, they, they won the Stanley Cups four in a row, and I was feeling pretty damn proud as a fan. Uh, so I'm curious, as a young boy in Saskatoon growing up, who did Bidzy cheer for in the NHL? Well, first of all, it wasn't that big of a veteran move back <laughs> then by you, because you would have been, I don't know, you wouldn't have been that much of a veteran anyway. <laughs> you just would have been a little rosy-cheeked, little redhead fellow running around It was a veteran move, Columbia. a veteran move, my friend. 
Okay, veteran move by a youngster, let's say that. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, you know what? Just quickly on the New York Islanders, still, still the colors, the blue and the orange and the white and the logo, still one of my favorite jerseys. Okay, um, I like in, it any, too. In any sport, in mm-hmm. any sport, really like it. Love the blue and the orange and the white. Uh, so when I was younger, I was... Uh, I started off playing just novice, and uh, that was just with the school team, just like your elementary school team. And um, so uh, that was the St. Paul's Leafs. I went to Catholic school, and it was the St. Paul's Leafs. So did you become a Leafs fan because of that? No, because because here's the deal, is that they were the St. Paul's Leafs, but their colors were just red and white. Oh, so I love the colors, which was Detroit, but then the name is the Leafs, which of course is Toronto and two original six teams. So I don't, no wonder I'm so confused. They started me off being confused, <laughs> uh, you know, giving me Detroit's colors with Toronto's name. So no, I really wasn't. Uh, the second team I played for, they got it right though. The second team I played for, which was my next age group, which I think would have been. I want to say Weepy or something like that. Weepy? Um, yep. Never heard it of it. Weepy, Weepy, then Pee Wee, then Adam, then Bantam, then Midget, I think is how our okay. our scale went, I think, here. Anyway, so the next team was the Flyers. and But they had it right, so they had the exact replica jersey of the Flyers. So it became a bit of a Flyers kind that was just for a short while. Okay. Then, I'll, I'll just wrap this up here, and then it, it all went with me. You after jumped that. all over the place. Yeah. It just went with me, though, after that to Wendell Clark, because then I started watching Wendell Clark at the Blade okay. game. Good Saskatchewan my dad got boy. a little bit older, and my dad didn't want to take me when I was younger, because we all know hockey back then was, you know, fairly reminiscent of slap shot sometimes. Like, it was just a, a gong show sometimes, junior hockey, and so, uh, especially when the Blades played the Pats or something like that. Anyway, when I got older, my dad started taking me to the Blades game at the arena in Saskatoon, and Wendell Clark was the man. This was the Cooper All era, and just anything Wendell Clark, Wendell Clark was just the man. I mean, such a, I mean, such a great hockey player and so tough. And, and the guy had a handlebar mustache. He was like 17 and uh, was whooping butt and scoring goals and just had a howitzer of a shot. And uh, so, yeah, anything to do with Wendell Clark. So, basically, after Wendell Clark left the Blades, I just cheered for whatever team Wendell Clark played for. Well, fair enough. Did you remember the the very first NHL game you went to? Did you go to one as a kid? Because I, I, I wasn't a kid. I, w- I was probably, oh, I'm guessing about uh, 18 or 19. And it was a game in Vancouver. And I don't remember the exact year, but I do remember the game because the Canucks were playing the New York Rangers. And and it was funny because Phil Esposito was was at the tail end of his career and he was a member of the New York I Rangers. You were say, Gordy Howard, no, 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 no. So Phil Esposito. So Phil Esposito had this breakaway, and I can't even remember who the Canucks goaltender was, but the goaltender made the save. And and what I remember most about this was the the organist at the stadium at the time played the old gray mare just ain't what she used to be, and I thought that was priceless. That was good. Wow, I don't know what's to, what, what is more remarkable to me in this story. The fact that you remember it so vividly, which I guess you would back then. Your very first, your very first you, NHL game, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess, but I mean, even now, though, because that was so long ago for you, Jocko, Jocko baby. <laughs> no, uh, no, I'm old. That, you know, you remember it vividly. No, but the other one is old gray. Ma- 
you remember that song? I didn't know what that song. I didn't know all. All I remember when it, whenever the organist would play, and this is still, of course, I can say that I was with the. When, you know, it says. I don't know. I don't remember any songs or knew the name of any song. So uh, the fact that you knew it was old gray mare and what it used to be. Uh, that's pretty. You're uh, impressed. Pretty good. Yeah, there yeah. you go. I didn't go to uh, I didn't go to an NHL game though until I was oh I would say I guess I was in my twenties. Yeah, okay. no, I never went as a kid. Never went as a kid because uh, in Saskatchewan, like you know, it was just such a long trip. Uh, Calgary, Edmonton, uh, Winnipeg back then with the Jets, but I mean, I was playing hockey when they were playing hockey, right? So uh, you know, my dad couldn't take me out of hockey to go you know, do a road trip to Calgary or Edmonton. Um, there was a chance, I think, a couple of times that uh, we were playing a tournament in Calgary or Edmonton, but we just it just didn't work out that we could go to a game, whether we were playing or whether tickets weren't available or whether we had to be in bed early because we had an early game the next day or something like that. It just never worked out. So it wasn't until later in life. Okay. It was a Flames game was my first game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it never made me an instant Calgary Flames fan. It just took a while, I think, and then uh, and then I became one. And th- that was just because getting to know the guys, right? As you know, um, there's just you just have more invested when you get to know these guys and then you see them succeed. So I, I, I guess it was after I, I, I started interviewing them a bit more and being a part of the Calgary media, then became sure. a real Flames fan. Sure, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Hey, we, we've lined up a, a, an outstanding guest tonight, a future Canadian Football Hall of Famer, in my opinion. Of course, yesterday we saw all of these former Stampeders, and I guess you could say former Riders, too, get get, get inducted to the, uh, at least get the call to the Hall, which is fantastic. So um, you're gonna you're ready to introduce our guest? Yeah, we're bringing okay. him on right now. No, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm going to give you, a, like, take a, take a breath. And we'll take yeah, a break, right. and we'll come back, and we'll introduce you know a future Canadian Football Hall of Famer. Uh, he's going to okay, be I'm our gu- stretch. Yeah. Okay. Good. So uh, our special guest coming up next. Uh, he's Derek Bidwell. I'm Jock Wilson. This is Friday Fun Time on Sports Talk with Jock. So we were just talking about our, our very first NHL games we went to as fans, and I just got this text, and this texter says, first NHL game, Oilers versus Canucks, 1982, 10-8 Oilers. Gretzky, Messier, yeah, go, you know, th- those were the days when they scored a lot of goals, Derek Bidwell. Holy yeah. cow, okay. Um, yeah, they, yeah, the goalies had a little bit of different style. The pads were like shin pads. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they were just getting pumped uh, with a ton of goals. Yeah, and yeah. Th- that's the day when, uh, when, when scores like that were definitely not <laughs> that uncommon, for sure. And that was the days when, when goaltenders actually felt the puck and got hurt by the puck and were at times yeah. scared of the puck. And that, that just doesn't happen anymore because these guys are all wearing a body armor without a doubt. Hey, you got to introduce our, our, our special guest tonight, Bidzi. So the, the floor, the platform is yours. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight's guest played fifth. 15 years in the Canadian Football League, he is a two-time Grey Cup champion. He started off his career as the CFL's Rookie of the Year. Not bad for a Division II walk-on. He is the CFL's all-time leader in receptions, but he's also known for blowing up DBs and a linebacker or 10 of them with the old crack back block from <laughs> Mineral Wells, Texas, 
one of the best Stampeder receivers of all time. Future Hall of Famer. Friend of the show, Nick Lewis. Nick Lewis in the house. How are What's you, my up, friend? <laughs> How that, are you? Hey, you know what? That was an awesome. Doing my podcast now, <laughs> I, I try to give people great introductions, but that was awesome. Thank you, Benny. <laughs> You're welcome, pal. And, and, and me and, and I don't know if you know, John, but me and Biz will go back quite a ways. Oh, I know. And um, yeah, so. That's awesome. I appreciate the introduction. Jock, it's nice to hear you again. How are you doing, brother? Always good to talk to you, my friend, as well. Hey, were you playing golf with Devon Claybrooks today? Yeah, yeah. So I was, I was out trying to, um, you know, Devon's trying to pick up the game, and I was helping him pick up the game, and uh, we had a fun time out on the course. And, and to be out there and, and, and to do that, because I think the golf place is the, the golf course is the new meeting place to get deals done and if you can be a functional golfer you can go out and work business <laughs> is clay brooks a functional golfer though <laughs> not yet but he is by the end of the, by the end of the round he was hitting the ball really well okay okay i'm sure once yeah, he hits I it he 84 can... today 84 holy cow yeah can't go for that my best round of the year best round of the but, year nice yeah, um, but, you know, before I broke my leg, Jock, I was shooting high 70s, okay. low 80s, and I'm trying to get back there, but... What did uh, what did Claybrook shoot? Uh, half the time he didn't shoot. <laughs> uh, so he was, you know, you know that, that was one of the things was picking it up and understanding the game, and once he started to hit better shots, he was more intrigued on wanting to play more. More players should do that. Yeah, more players should do that. You know, if you're if you're having a bad hole, hey, you're you're not in the PGA tour. Just pick it up and go to the next hole. I'm okay with that. I I tell that to my wife all the time. Hey, don't worry about it. Don't stress. Don't freak out. And and when I started, I started with Jermaine Copeland and Brett Rout. I mean, they're both scratch golfers. So I'm aiming left to hit it straight, and and they're scratch golfers. So. I had a lot more pressure because of the company where I started. I, I didn't actually start playing until 2008. Okay. And these people have been playing a long time. And so they were out there shooting low scores. I was on my earpiece. I was talking on the phone while playing. And they were like, you just don't get it. But then, you know, once you start playing and you get it and you know the focus it takes for every shot, um, yeah, so now it's a it's a different sport and different game for okay, me. Before I bring B- Bidzy in here, uh, have you ever played with Bidzy, uh, Nick? No, no. Uh, you, no. You, you're in for a treat if you play with Bidzy. Bidzy's got the the wildest swing. He he do, he he doesn't hold anything back. Like you think you think Bryson DeChambeau swings hard. Bidzy probably will ramp that up about two or three times. He, he comes <laughs> you know, out of one his of socks. I play better when my hands hurt or my, like, I sneezed a month ago and popped two ribs out. So, it's like I play better now because I don't try to overpower the ball, and I just let it go. So, it was good. I, I got a three yard drive today, so it okay. was good. Okay. I still got to learn that, Nick. I still try to come with the thunder. Just just off the tee, the rest of my my swings are fairly under control, but... Uh, I really like to grip it and rip it uh, off the tee. But the other thing, too, is that Jocko 
and some other uh, pals like Heath Brown that I used to work with at uh, at CTV, and uh, some other guys too, like Kevin Smith. I used to work at Global in Calgary. Like some of these guys, my colleagues, media colleagues, they just loved me swinging so hard. And so then, like, I feel like I'm letting people down now if I try to just turn it back. But I am a little worried, though, that one of these times I'm going to uh, <laughs> I'm going to injure myself as I get a little bit older. I'm going to have to start stretching more. Um, I was going to start off with uh, just one more quick one with uh, Devon Claybrooks. Biscuit, as he's known... It, we, he, he was going to be on he our show. He skipped us, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that in a second. But when he was going to be on the show, uh, one of my buddies who listens all the time, Sean Cable uh, with the Roughnecks, listens to every show since Jock and I have been doing this. Anyway, when I told him Devon Claybrooks was going to come on, and he said, uh, who, oh, the CFL coach that, that wears his hat funny, right? And I said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> does, he still wear, does he wear his hat like that when he's on the golf course, too? So, have you heard the story about Devon and his hat? Which one? No. So, Devon's head is so big that hats never fit his head. So, he always had to wear them sideways because it wouldn't fit his head. So, he has to get hats. As like They have to get special made hats. <laughs> right? I, I so feel bad for his mom with that big always head. Wore it, he's always wore it that way because of that. That's that's a big huh. head. That's a big head. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was a stylish yeah. thing, and actually, I thought it looked pretty cool. Actually, <laughs> to be honest, I thought it was just a style thing. So I was going to well, maybe start well, doing now that. it is. Well, now it is a stylish thing because there is hats that he can get that are like that. But um, but that's how it started, right? It, it started because hats wouldn't fit his head, and if he wore it straight and it wouldn't fit your head, then people would laugh at you. <laughs> But you kind of turn to the side and let it hang up there. Like, people don't laugh at you, right? So there's a lot behind the story. <clears throat> I'll let him tell the story because he knows it a lot better than I do, obviously. But, you know, that's a part of the reason why he actually started wearing his hat like that. Bidzi, I thought you were going to follow up. Oh, no, sorry. I didn't want, I didn't want to cut you off. I thought you were following up with that one. So, Nick. Uh, let's start off with what, what you're doing right now. And I had a chance to listen to uh, an episode of it earlier tonight. Let's talk about, uh, quickly before we get into some great stories from your times at Stampeder, on the field, off the field, talking about some of those crackback and legendary blocks that you're uh, known for. And, of course, you're, you're uh, all-time uh, leader in, this, in the Canadian Football League for receptions. We'll get a little bit more into the football stuff, but let's talk a little bit about what you're doing right now off the top. Your podcast, uh, I had a chance to listen to, uh, and uh, an episode of it tonight. Prior to this, with uh, Burke Dales, former Stampede Burke Dales, and his uh, and his sister, who sister. actually works for the NFL Network, and uh, that was really interesting. Yeah. Maybe just a bit more on your podcast, a following on Facebook, and and it's going really well. It seems you got some great guests every week. Yeah, so the podcast comes about because I, I, I love it because it's all about information, right? It's about and it's about. Like our life is like Division Two walk-on, small town Texas, to the CFL. But even through the course of my career, do people actually know who I am? Right. So you have all these players with great stories. Alex Singleton getting cut seven times by the Eagles in one year. Uh, you have all these great stories that people don't even know. They just think you show up 
and you've had this life that was easy or that you just showed up one day and you just became a star and it's totally different, right? People have gone through so much. Charleston Hughes talks about faking like he's an agent and calling King and acting like he's handing himself the phone and changing his voice to be able to get a look. Charleston Hughes is 28 sacks from all-time leading sack leader in CFL history. And he's acting like his own agent just to get an opportunity to play football. Right? So we have all these great stories that people don't hear and they don't understand. And you, and, and Delvin Bro, I mean, he broke his neck and they thought he wouldn't walk again to come back and do what he did. He was running track four months later. And now look what he's put in. So when you have these great stories and you have, it's about, if you're a fan of football, if you're a fan of sports, and if you're just a fan and you want to be successful in life, people don't get there the easy route. You have to go through things to get to where you want to get to. Uh, me being a Division II walk-on under the scholarship, you know, getting to Calgary as the last person signed to the roster. I was the last person signed to the Calgary roster in 2004. Crazy. Crazy. Right? So this is, these, are, these are stories that really tie things together. Damon Allen just talked about when I released yesterday. He got signed by the Pittsburgh Pirates in 1993, eight years into his CFL career. He played 23 years, but in eight years in, he got signed by the Pittsburgh Pirates, and he went to training camp with them. That's a great story. Great story. Right. So, so we have all these stories and like, they need to be told because I think that right now, um, one, when you have suicide rates up, you have people that feel like they're hopeless and, and helpless and all these other things. Like you need to hear what people actually went through and when they made it through what the breakthrough was uh. and what, how it made it work. Nikki, I, I got to cut you. I got not cut you off. I'm just going to leave it there for a second. We're going to come back and continue this conversation. You do have to break for the news here at the bottom of the hour. He is Nick Lewis, Nick at Night Lewis, special guest here with Derek Bidwell and myself on Sports Talk with Jock. And uh, so much to get into with Nick Lewis. Uh, he's not going anywhere. He'll stay with us for at least another 15 minutes. You go nowhere. We got news at the bottom of the hour. Then more with Nick Lewis. By the way, his podcast is called Lulu Logic. Uh, you can find it where all the great podcasts are right now and you can uh, you know go online and 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 google nick and uh, you'll see it there as well this is friday fun time this is sports talk with jock it's partly cloudy and 22 degrees in downtown calgary good evening from global news it's 7 30 i'm Haley jarmain canada's deputy public health officer is out with a warning dr howard new says singing and dancing in close quarters is not the way to party this summer he's telling young people to stop jamming bars and dance floors to stop the spread of covid 19. he says a recent increase in cases can be largely traced back to young people ignoring physical distancing guidelines this says alberta reports another jump of more than 100 new covid 19 cases in one day the province says there are 105 new infections and two more people have died from the illness Partly cloudy tonight to chance we see a thunderstorm roll through as the city is still under a severe thunderstorm watch. Otherwise, a low of 10 overnight tomorrow, sunny and a high of 22, 24 with a mix of sun and cloud for Sunday. 
It is 22 degrees right now. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled news at 8 o'clock. I'm Haley Germain. Little Friday fun time with the people's sportscaster Derek Bidwell from Global Saskatoon and our special guest tonight, future Canadian Football Hall of Famer Nick at Night Lewis. And Nick was just telling us about his podcast, the Lulu Logic podcast. And and Garrett just texted in and said, "Jock, can you spell that for me, please?" And and Lulu is L E W L E W. Logic is L O G I C. So uh, that's the Lulu Logic podcast. You can find it in all the great platforms. What, what is the story behind Lulu? Just a, a, a play on your name, Nick. Yeah. So it's kind of like my dad always calls me crazy and. Um, I will say something, and my dad's like, that must be Lulu logic. Like, that's my logic and, and my world. So that's where I kind of got it from was uh, the logic of Lulu. Logic of you know, Lulu. I've, I've, always come up, I've always come up with a lot of different nicknames and, and things like that. So this is just uh, the logic of Lulu. L-E-W-L-E-W-L-O-G-S-C. And uh, all one word, so it's it's a great logic for me. You see, we did we did a, we did a show on nicknames earlier, and Bidzy uh, Bidzy was stinky because uh, that's what his dad called him, and and mine was Jockey Baby. So there you go. We now now we've shared nicknames. <laughs> let's not bring that back up. Let's, let's just talk about Nick. Let's talk about Nick's uh, nicknames. Uh, let's not talk about any more about Stinky and Jockey Baby. Okay. <laughs> uh, what other ones you got, Nick? What other nicknames? Yes. Oh man, uh, the ones I gave myself or the ones other people gave me. <laughs> well, because Rambo, Rambo used yeah. to always call me Lou or Lulu, or Ram would call me Chunk, and uh, there's a, there's a couple. You know, there's there's a couple, and then I gave myself a couple of nicknames through yes. my days. Geronimo Jones, I started out, and I, Simon Sleepwalker and Louis Genius was my coaching kind of thing, and um. Master Unique, N-I-Q-U-E. So it's a play on words, but it was always fun and was cool. I remember meeting your dad once, and I, I think I told the story on the air, so I, I apologize in advance. But uh, when you when you got your signing bonus and you bought the grill, and your dad, you know, you, you, he said your nickname no. was crazy. <laughs> he, he was not very happy when you bought the grill. Uh, did you still have the grill? I don't know where the grill is. You don't know it, where the I grill is. I should know where it's at. That cost me $1,500. I know. So I, I want to know where the grill is. I would still wear it today, actually. Would you? Um, it was top and well, bottom, yellow and white diamonds, right? So um, when me and my ex-fiance split up, things just, you know, got misplaced. I guess. <laughs> my Mavado watch is gone as well. Oh, So Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, by the way, <laughs> by the way, Garrett has another question, and and Garrett uh, was asking about uh, if there's any funny stories involving John Huffnagel, who was inducted in the Hall of Fame yesterday. Like uh, Garrett saying he's such a straight faced personality and and doesn't seem to give too much. Do you have any, you have any good John Huffnagel stories? Man, me and me and Huff have had a lot of great uh, back and forth. You know, it's one person that I tell you this as a father figure as a as, a, as a, a man that I respect tremendously, uh, John Huffnagel has been, uh, I think that's what took me over the top in my career. I don't think I ever get to where I got to without Huff because it gave me a different sense of the game and, 
and part of it was through my maturity as well from the early four years before Hub got here, uh, the immature, immaturity that I had. But I, I just think that through what we accomplished together uh, with two great cups and the journeys in there uh, was great. But, yeah, me and Huff had some yelling matches. We've had some shouting matches. and um, But it's all respect. It's, it's just great. I think that one of the biggest things, I remember you talk about stories. One day I run an out route in practice. And I probably didn't run it like I needed to. And he goes, yeah, I'm taking that play out of the playbook. And I go, no, Huff, you're not taking that play out of the playbook. He goes, yeah, I'm taking it out. You're not going to have that. I said, no, you're not taking that. Play. So we back and forth on the field. And one thing about Huff that every player knows is that what happens on the field, and he's very hard on players, but he's very fair. Um, he wants the best out of the players. But at the end of every practice, if he ever got into it with a player or if he ever said something to a player that might be misconstrued, he would apologize in front of the team when he broke the team down at the end of the practice. Really? Yeah. He was always a guy that he would push you to your limits to get the best out of you. But when practice was over and he'd break down the team, he would either apologize or he would make, if two guys got in a fight at practice, he'd make them shake hands and apologize to each other. It was always like, okay, this happened. Now this, we need to close this to move on to tomorrow or whatever. So um, that was huge. That was huge uh, as a man and as a coach and as someone that I respect tremendously. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know, Jock, how, how well I could have done without Huff in my career. That's a great and story. I don't know how well I could have. I don't know how well I could have helped other players without Huff. I tell you what, that's uh, that's some great insight, uh, Bidzy. Uh, y- your go. Okay, we're going to switch gears a little bit here, and this is from uh, the aforementioned uh, Burke Gales. Uh, we we talked uh, to Burke on our show. Uh, very entertaining guy, yeah. of course, with his time uh, trying out with the Pittsburgh Steelers. We all know him well. Uh, personally, entertaining guy. All that was on your podcast, as we mentioned, with his sister just a little while ago. I said, you got any beauties that I can ask? Nick, earlier today, I was asking a few reformer teammates for some stuff, doing a little research. He said, ask Nick about smashing up his Jaguar. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I didn't smash up my Jaguar. (laughs) And because my Jaguar wouldn't start. And this 2010, after the Western final, my Jaguar wouldn't start, so I had a rental car. And I don't know if I can tell this from my car. But, uh, so coming into the meetings the morning after, it is, you know, the big blizzard of 2010. Um, as I get to the hill, um, I'm in a rental car, and I am keep pumping the brakes, and it wouldn't stop. And I end up smashing into... Corey Mason's the back end of Corey Mason's car and hit the side of Drew Tate's car. Oh, no. And I always get to, I always get to their meetings like two minutes before. Like, it's a very close call. Uh, and so, end up jumping. Rambo jumps out. Like, Rambo's, like, screaming, oh, 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 hit the brakes. <laughs> and I'm hitting the brakes, but it didn't work. It was anti-brake lock or something. I don't know. But it didn't work. And we slid down the hill. Hit the two cars. I jump out the passenger side after Rainbow gets out. 
And uh, we go into the meetings, and then I end up paying for Corey Mason's car. Drew Tate was like, well, I'm selling the car anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, so, yeah, that happened. <laughs> but it wasn't a Jaguar. It wasn't a Jaguar. It wasn't a Jaguar. <laughs> the Jag wouldn't start for two weeks, so that's why I had the rental car in the first place. But if I did have the Jag, it would have been the Jag. Oh, uh, that's, uh, that's good. You know, I, I remember when Jermaine Copeland first came to Calgary. And and you were like you were like a mini a mini Cope because you know Cope was the best dressed guy on the team and you know he used to wear the white suits and everything else. Um, you talk about Huff, like why was why was Cope so instrumental for you, Nick? Because I, I do remember I do remember you were like a mini Cope. Well, my rookie year, hanging out with um, Wayne McGarity, we went to Montreal. We played we played Montreal. Um, he played in college with Kwame Cavill. So I hung out with Cope and Kwame and Wayne and everybody. So then I got to know Cope a little bit. And something instrumental happened in 2005 once they got there. Hank, Marte Jenkins, Cope, Rambo, um, you know, Josh first training camp. All this stuff happened. They released Alessio Sanford in, in training camp, which was my roommate my rookie year uh, for James Terry. Nate Terry's brother. And I was like, and I was like, this is not right because Salacio was better than him. And I thought this was not right for you to release this guy, which was my roommate. And I remember I told Steve Verrado, like, you know what? I'm not going to the meetings or whatever. And Coach sent me down and said, look, he's like, part of the reason I came here is because of you. And we're going to do some great things together. And you don't want to be a great player that bounces around from team to team. You want to be in one place. And that's how our relationship bonded and built from there. And we were Batman and Robin. I was okay with being second to coach because he was a great player. He came off an 1800-yard season uh, a couple years before. He's been a great player. Peyton Manning called him on the morning of the Grey Cup. And I'm just sitting there like, and he acts like it's nothing. I'm like, Peyton Manning just called you? He goes, yeah, that's, you know, that's Peyton. He just calls. Like, that's cool. You know, good luck and everything. But, like, this is a very, like, everybody thought that Hank and other people were like, Cope was the true leader of our team. He kept everything together. And I honestly believe in 2010, if we had Cope, we'd have won that game in the Western Final. Cope was so instrumental in the growth of a lot of players. Not just myself, not just Kenyon Rambo, not just it's it's defense, it's offense. He was a true leader in the man that he was week in, week out, day in, day out. Hmm. And that moment that we had in two thousand five, I was I was like, you know what, this is what it is. And um yeah, Cope has been true inspiration to me and still is. You know, my career is not what it was without Cope. I learned so much from him um, on a day-in, day-in, day-out basis from even how to practice, how to take care of yourself, how to manage the business part of football where, you know, fans don't ever really see the business part. They only see the the on-the-field stuff. 
like Tote was the true inspiration of how I. I, I will say, I will, I will say this, Nick. You know, it, it, it was we were ahead of our time when we had the coping with Nick show here. I, I think yeah. Mark, Mark Stevens sort of shook his head. He, he didn't quite understand. I thought, I thought it was brilliant radio. And and I tell you what, uh, we were so far ahead of our time back in the day, and uh, that was that was fun. But anyway, that's just a personal uh, personal note. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we, we don't have a lot of time left, so Bidzi, I, I know you probably have another question. I do. I got one more for Nick before we let him go. First of all, I want to say coping with Nick. That is an awesome. That is an awesome, awesome name of a, <laughs> out of a segment of a show for sure. That you guys were ahead of your time. That's a good one. Uh, last one I got for you, uh, Nick. Here I, I heard from a little birdie that uh, you know Michael Irvin. I think I heard this before. Uh, besides from the little birdie, that Michael Irvin from the Dallas Cowboys, of course, famous receiver with the Dallas Cowboys, was your favorite player. And, uh, in fact, you got a chance to talk to him, and uh, he was a little bit of a mentor to you, uh, you know, provided some encouragement for you or, or wise uh, words or words of wisdom that you could follow. But I also heard um, that you're going to be kind of uh, reuniting with him soon. You're going to be, is this right? You're going to be playing in a softball tournament with Michael Irvin, now with uh, the now an NFL analyst? Well, so it just got canceled, oh, which I hate. Okay. But I'm in there for next year. Oh. And... Mike Irvin was on my team. Um, Ladanian Thompson was on the team. It's a it was a charity for um, for veterans of, of the military. Um, Toby Keith, Matthew McConaughey, Roger Clemens, um, and there was a lot of Spud Webb, a lot of great athletes. And I was going to get the opportunity to represent Canada as the only player from the CFL or XCFL in this game i was going to be able to represent canada uh so that was special for me but mike Irvin wow. is my greatest athlete of all time um and this is one of the things that i always get people always talk about role models right and we all know about mike Irvin off the field in the 90s but i was able to take just what he did on the field and this is why i was so physical you talk about the crack match you talk about a ability to go out and beat up a DB and then the ability to go out and beat him and man to man and, and do what I need to do catching the ball. This is Mike Orvin's game. The Philadelphia Eagles drafted Bobby Taylor, a six two or six three cornerback, to try to deal with Mike Orvin because he beat up their DBs the whole game. But then when the ball came his way he made plays. He's the original playmaker and that's how I bottled my game and, and that's how ultimately I became who I was because of Mike Irvin. But yeah. Wow. Nick, you know, we could have done the whole show with you. What, what it tells me is we got to bring you back on a, a, another segment uh, uh, a little later on. So uh, thanks so much for your time. I uh, really appreciate you sharing the stories with us. And and good luck with that Lulu Logic uh, podcast. I, I know you've dropped a number of episodes, and, and I know it's, it's really taking off. So uh, thanks again, man. Yeah, yeah, 41 episodes out. Um, just started on the on the video side of things, and Fred Stamps is on Monday. Okay. Just dropped it here first. There you go. Nick, you have a great night. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Thank you. You as well. All right. Uh, hey, thanks, Nick. Talk soon, pal. Yes, that's uh, Derek Bidwell. This is Sports Talk with Jock. we got to wrap things up, Bidzy. The Friday shout-ups uh, shout are up next. Go nowhere. Keep it locked right here on Global News Radio, 770 CHQR. Friday fun time, wrapping things up on a Friday night. Derek Bidwell, the people sportscaster from Global Saskatoon, and uh, Nick. I would say Nick at night hit it out of the park. That was a, that was a pretty yeah. solid guest. 
Oh, yeah, we knew, we knew that, though. Yeah. We knew that. He was talking about some of the nicknames he gave himself. And, I mean, Nick's been a personality. Uh, <laughs> you know, Lulu Logic has, uh, has been around for a long time before mm-hmm. he even landed uh, himself in Calgary. He's always been a character, great guy. And it just seems like he's, uh, I don't know, as he's getting older, I wouldn't say uh, more mature. Because oh, I, I think he is more mature, and he sort of mentioned that. He said, Huff, you yeah. know, so he, he, he had to grow up a little bit. Well, I guess so. I guess you could put it that way if you like. But I, I would like to, I think I would put it more like he's a little more uh, well-rounded. I think he's just, yeah, okay. I think he's just okay. a, I think he's a little more polished, especially with how he interacts with people. I think a lot of times maybe he was misunderstood or maybe he, you know, put his foot in his mouth maybe or, he's, you know, trying mm-hmm. to be a little bit too humorous, but it rubbed people the wrong way, certain things. I mean, I'm sure he would say that too. But I just think he's very polished now. And he's a, actually a really good interview. If you listen to Lulu Logic and those podcasts, he's a really good interview for yeah, sure. I would agree. Uh, Friday shoutouts is how we wrap up Friday Fun Time, and and I usually kick it off because I I got to get our hero of the month. A little bit of a shout-out here. It's the uh, Popovich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Wood Gundy. Great supporters of the Calgary Children's Foundation. And again, the Popovich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Wood Gundy, our hero of the month for July. So there's my shout-out, Bidzy. Uh, who are you going with today? Okay, so i got to go. i got to start this off with a quick story, though. Okay, real quick. So this is uh, when I was growing up in elementary school, uh, there was a show called Growing Pains with Kirk Cameron. You remember that? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, anyway, I'm sure a lot of people will. Anyway, it was really popular. Kirk Cameron was a stud. He was on, like, Tiger Beat and all those magazines. Anyway, I wanted to be like Kirk Cameron. So I wanted to have, like, the clothes like him, pop the collar like him. I wanted to be popular with the girls like him. So one thing that Kirk Cameron had on the show, besides, you know, like, these certain clothes or certain, certain shoes or he popped his collar, is that he had a buddy on the show named Boner. So I needed to have a friend in high school nicknamed Boner. So my friend Riley Dark didn't have a nickname. I told him. I'm sorry, bud, but you're going to have to be Boner. So he's, I don't want to be Boner. So we shortened it down to Bones eventually. So my shout-out goes to Riley Dark, a.k.a. Boner, a.k.a. Bones. It was his birthday uh, today, or like today. It was his birthday. It's his birthday today. And uh, earlier, he lives in Kelowna now. Earlier, he got uh, married, I want to say about a, a week, 10 days ago, uh, to his lovely bride, uh, Kathy. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to uh, her, too, his mother, Ruth. Stepfather Gary and brother Casey, uh, Hugh, who is a, a beauty as well and, and a close friend. So okay. my shout-out goes to Riley Boner Dark. All right. Nice shout-out to Boner. Uh, Bidzy, that's it uh, for tonight. And actually, I got some bad news. We're going to have to put uh, the show on hiatus for a couple of weeks because uh, they're giving me a promotion. I'm actually hosting The Drive for Joe McFarlane uh, the next couple of weeks, so I'll be uh, hosting the afternoon show. So there won't be any Friday fun time on Sports Talk with Jock, but uh, we'll be back early in August, okay? Sounds great, pal. All right. You stay safe. Stay healthy. He's Derek Bidwell. I'm Jock Wilson. Thanks so much for listening. You have a great night. This is 770 CHQR.